The Bible, the Word of God, a living manuscript that gives life and brings light. The truth found in its pages serves as our guide when we're lost, our refuge in times of trouble, conviction in moments of weaknesses, courage and wisdom in the face of life circumstances, whatever they are. Listen, reading scripture isn't about fulfilling an obligation. It's not something to be checked off a to-do list. It's about spending time daily growing closer to the heart of God. As we do this, we get exactly what we need for our moments right now. This is our daily step. Well, good morning, church. Wow, what a great morning of worship. What a great time of being in God's presence and growing in our relationship with Him. I'm just so grateful and thankful for all that He's doing here at Rolling Hills. I just love being a part of what He's doing. Uh, you know, growing up, I played basketball. It was just uh, the sport I played. And so right now, if you're a basketball fan, this is kind of the big time of year, right? We just had the SEC tournament. Now the NCAA tournament is getting ready to happen. And Millions of people across the USA are going to fill out little brackets, right? And Thursday and Friday, there's going to be no productivity at work because everybody's going to be monitoring to see how their teams are doing. But I'll never forget growing up when I was playing, my freshman year, I had this coach and uh, he was intense, okay? I mean, I think he went to the Bobby Knight School of Coaching and, and we would have summer practices and we would go, we would do all kinds of drills and we were doing dribbling drills and passing drills and I mean, it was, you know, running stairs and all those things and then I would go out with my buddies, right? And we would go home and we would watch Sports Center and in Sports Center they're doing alley-oops and they're doing dunks and, you know, they're doing all these behind-the-back passes and, and so one day my friend says to to our coach, he says, you know, we're tired of doing all these drills, coach. When are we going to have some fun? And I was like, dude, <laughs> that was not a good thing to say, right? And so our coach calls us all together and he's like, okay, boys, here's the deal, right? And he goes, this is it. He goes, this is the fundamentals. If you know how to dribble and you know how to pass, then this will all pay off in the future, right? Then you're going to have fun. And those dunks, one, you're going to have to grow. You know, we were freshmen in high school, so we couldn't really dunk. We were lucky to slap the net on the, you know, rim. And, and, uh, but he says, you're going to have to grow. But then he says, listen, if you get the fundamentals down, then that's when the game really starts to make sense. That's when it becomes fun. That's when it becomes fun. And sure enough, I'll never forget, our freshman year, we had a pretty good team. And later on in the year, as we got more and more accustomed to each other, and as we dribbled and passing and all those things, it started to come together, and it started to make sense. And we had fun, and we had a great year. And I'll never forget that, that it comes back so many times to the fundamentals. And the same thing is true in our spiritual life. And a lot of times we look and we see people do these great things and all that's happening out there. And yet I think God say to us, hey, you take care of the fundamentals. You spend time with me. You grow in the word. You know the truth. And then just watch this as you live in me. You watch what I will do. You're on a journey, but you trust. And so many times we're like, well, wait, I just want, I don't have time for that, right? I got to get on to other things. And God's going, no, 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 come on. Just trust me. Day in and day out. Follow, follow, follow. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, if anyone, open invitation, wherever you are today, if anyone would come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Take up his cross daily and follow me. See, Christianity is not just, hey, I show up, you know, one time a week and kind of go do my own thing or I met Jesus when I was in eighth grade and then, you know, hey, peace out, Jesus, I'll see you when I get to heaven. You know, the, Jesus is calling us and inviting us on a journey with him. And it means a daily step. 
It's following, it's trusting, it's the fundamentals. Last week, it was an incredible time here at church as we, many of us took the you know, opportunity to make a commitment to Christ and our next step to grow in our faith and reaching out, growing up, giving all. And hundreds of people said, hey, I want to take a daily step. I want to grow in reading the word of God. I want to grow in my prayer life. And I'm so excited about that. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is how do we take that daily step? You know, because so many Christians have, have really never read the entire Bible through. And yet the Bible is, is, our, is, is our lifeline. The Bible is this playbook that God's given us. Here's how life makes sense. Here's how you're called to live. And it's so exciting and it's so dynamic. But we get all caught up in everything else that's going on in the world, right? And, and we have time to do all these other things. And yet God's just drawing us and saying, have a hunger for my word. Have a hunger for time with me. And we have that incredible opportunity. It doesn't matter what's happened in the past. We've got a new opportunity today to go forward in Christ. To say, I want to follow, I want to trust, I want to know God. And as we do that, as we have a hunger for his word, as we spend time in prayer, what begins to happen? That relationship with God grows, right? Every day it grows, it grows. And then when times get challenging, or then when opportunities come, then we have this foundation. And that's when the spiritual life really comes alive. Because we're growing in our relationship with God. As a church, we're taking a daily step to read through the Bible over a 24-month period. And so I want to challenge you and encourage you. Maybe you have never read through the Bible. Maybe you don't even have a Bible. We have free Bibles for you right at the back. You can pick a Bible up, write your name in it. It's your Bible. We give it to you. But we have this opportunity to take a daily step. And the amazing part is as we're reading through the Word of God together, we're growing together, right? And as we're reading through the same passage then we can have conversations. So if you're reading through the same passage with your spouse, or with your roommates, or in a small group, and you can say, hey, what did you learn today? Today's daily step comes from Psalm 35 and also John 17. You can find it online if you have the Rolling Hills app. You can download that app and get it on your phone or your iPad. You can also pick up one of these journals in the back at the Info Central. You can grab one of these. It has the plan in there. You can go to the website. But it has a daily Bible reading for us all. Because why? Because here's what God's word says, 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, all scripture is God-breathed, right? We all have favorite passages of scripture. I do. I mean, I have a life verse. I have favorite passages of scripture that I hold on to. But it says, all scripture is God-breathed. And you and I, when we start reading the word of God, you come to passages, you're like, wow, that is good. You know, I didn't even know that was there. This is so good. All scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God or woman of God, man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And this is the fundamentals, right? This is the dribbling and the passing of spending time in the word of God, of praying. It's the blocking and the tackling. It's the essence of the Christian life. It's God's invitation for us to know him on a daily basis and to follow him. And that is where it gets fun. I'm excited you're here today. I believe God has a word for us. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, which is actually our daily step for the day. There's an Old Testament passage and a New Testament passage. We're going to be in John 17, the New 
Testament today. Next week we'll be in Psalm 42 in the Old Testament. But it is so good as we kind of dive into God's Word today. So I want to encourage you, maybe you have the Word of God, maybe you've got a Bible with you, or maybe you have a mobile device where you can access the Scriptures at Version. We'll put the words on the screen. Uh, if you have a worship guide and you're taking notes, you can write some things down. But I just want to encourage you today as we talk about taking this daily step and as following God in our lives. Now, every time, every time before I read a passage of Scripture, there's a couple things that I do. And, and I just want to encourage you today in this. Number one is this, I pray, right? Before I, I take time to, to read the passage, I want to pray and go, God, open my eyes, open my heart to what you want to say to me. Because here's what Hebrews 4.12 says. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And isn't that true? See, the word of God is alive. And there's times that you read and you're like, whoa, that was like written just to me. Right, because God interprets his word right to our hearts, right when we're going through situations. Maybe you've read a passage 15 times and then you come back and you read it again and you're in a different stage of life, a different place in life and you're like, wow, that's speaking to me. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the word of God. The word of God is alive and the word of God is active. And so the word of God speaks to all of us. I love that about God's word. So first thing I do is I pray. God, what do you want to show me today? Father, what do you want me to learn today? Second thing is you read. Whatever passage, you, you read that passage. Now, a lot of us are type A personalities, right? I know that. We have a lot of successful people here, a lot of type A personalities. And so sometimes I'm a type A person. I know you can kind of go, all right, I got to get through this quick. I get my check mark, right, and move on, right? What else do I have to do today? And, and what I would encourage you is this. Before you kind of get that mindset that you pray and then you go, Maybe God's got something for me today. And so when you read through here, take the time to underline your Bible. Take the time to circle some things. Take some time to write in the notes. And, and sometimes you go, well, I don't want to write in my Bible. It's okay. It's your Bible, right? It's what God wants for you. I have a Bible that I use in my office and a Bible at home that I will circle and I will underline. And, and I think that's important for us. And we can grab a Bible back here, but make that your Bible. But don't just fly through it. Read and say, God, what are you speaking to me? The third thing is context. Context. Context is important when you read scripture, right? We're not going to get into biblical hermeneutics, which talks about the literary forms of, you know, whether it's wisdom literature or history or, you know, poetry. But what we are talking about is just knowing where it comes in scripture. If you have a healthy context, then you understand what the scripture is saying to you. Sometimes people take verses out of context. You have to be careful with that. You have to understand what God is saying through his word. And then the fourth thing you do is journal. Now, I don't know how many people journal, but I want to challenge you. Maybe you've never journaled in your life, right? Maybe that's just not something you do. When I was growing up, um, I had a youth pastor and he taught us about journaling. And it has made a huge difference in my spiritual life, in my spiritual walk. Uh, I would go buy like 99 cent journals at like the corner store deal and I would just write them down like Walgreens, you know, and, and I would journal the things that God was saying to me when I would read a passage of scripture or when I would be going through a tough time. And the amazing part now is I can go back and look at those. Has anybody ever done that? You go back and you look and you go, God, you are so faithful. God, thank you. You know, because there's been times in our life all of us can relate that have been really challenging and difficult and you just go, how am I going to make it through? 
And then you go back and you read and you look at where you are today and you go, thank you, God. And what does that do? It gives you confidence going forward, right? God was with me then. God's not going to forget about me. God's going to be with me as I go into this next challenge or this next opportunity. God is there for me. So journal. Now, when you journal on a passage of scripture, four things. Number one, summarize. Just write a summary of what you read. Just a quick summary. You know, what, what is the core of this passage? Second thing is translate. How does this translate to where I am today? How does this translate to what's going on today? And then number three is evaluate. How does this apply to my life? Because God's word is alive. God's word will apply to your life. How does this apply to my life? And then number four is to pray. Just ask God to guide you. Now that God, you've revealed truth to me, now God, send me out to live in that truth. To live in that truth. So this morning, as we look at John 17, I just kind of want to follow this to kind of help us as we move forward in our spiritual life, as we take daily steps. So the first thing is, Before we look at John 17, let's pray. Let's pray together. You ready? Father, thank you for this morning, God. And thank you for your word. God, your word is so deep and so rich. And Father, you have used your word to to impact lives and civilizations. And Father, I pray, God, that you would open our mind today as we read this passage of scripture. I pray that our hearts would be ready to receive from you. I pray that, God, you would take your word and apply it to where we live. God, we love you so much. Thank you for the invitation to follow you and to trust you. And thank you, Father, for not just winding this world up and set it to spin, but God, that you are actively involved in speaking through your word into our lives. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, now let's look at John 17. John 17. Pick up in verse 1. It says, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. Now, if I'm doing this as my daily step, I'm going to go, wait a minute. This is Jesus, right? This is a prayer. These are the very words of Jesus. So I'm gonna know in my mind, this is red letter, right? These are the words that Jesus said, but this is a prayer that Jesus prayed. And here's what he prayed. Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. So I'm starting to see this pattern, right? God, you gave to Jesus. Jesus is giving to others. There's this flow that's happening. Give is a recurring theme that we'll see throughout. Now, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So eternal life doesn't just begin when I die, right? Our our bodies are going to die. They're going to wear out. They're going to go into the grave. They're going to decompose. But our souls and our spirits go on for eternity. So eternal life begins now. When you are in Christ, as God draws you into himself and invites you into a relationship with him, you have eternal life. Jesus said, this is eternal life, right? Verse 4, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now that's pretty powerful because if you've been reading through the gospel of John, there's been times where Jesus goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, it's not my time yet. It's not my time yet. Everybody's trying to push Jesus into, you know, being this Messiah, been revealing himself as the king, and, and he's going, it's not my time, it's not my time. But now he's saying, it's coming to the time of completing my work. So I know that the cross awaits. I know that the resurrection is coming. I know that God is preparing Jesus to complete that work. Uh, we're in that Lentinal season, right? This time of Lent. We're preparing our hearts for Easter. So I know this time is coming. He says, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. 
See, Jesus is eternal, right? Jesus is eternal. So in this passage, he's looking back before the world began, but he's also talking about eternal life. So there's the eschatological approach as he's looking at eternity. So you've got looking back, looking forward. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The consistency, the faithfulness of Christ. He says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now who's he talking about? His disciples, right? God gave to Jesus. Jesus is giving to them this, this commission, this calling. But I love, I love that thought because when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, wow, God chose me, right? God chose you. God invited you into a relationship with him. You have been called by God. You have been given by God. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and that they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. So now Jesus, right, at the beginning part, he's praying for himself. Now he says, I'm praying for them. So now he's praying for his disciples. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. Verse 10, all I have is yours and all you have is mine. Now, that's pretty powerful, right? Here's some deep theology for us, but as we start to think about just the divinity of Christ, that he is fully God, fully God. And here he says that, Martin Luther would say, this is the essence of the divinity of Christ right here, that all I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. The name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Now, when you look at name, this is really powerful because if you go back in the Old Testament, a person's name represents the very essence of their being, right? It's not just, hey, I'm Jim or I'm Bob or I'm Greg. When when you talk about the name, the name represents your character, your integrity, everything that you are. The Jews had such reverence for the name of God that when they would say Yahweh or write Yahweh, they wouldn't even write the vowels. They would just write the consonants because they didn't want to mess up the name of God. That much reverence and awe and respect. And so Jesus is praying for his disciples. He says, protect them by the power of your name, right? And the name of God is love. The name of God is grace. The name of God is mercy. The name of God is hope. My defender, my savior. Oh, The power of your name. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. Now, who's that? Judas, right? He's the only one. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word And the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Now, when he's talking about the world, what does he mean by that? When in the world, right, he's talking about the system of the world. When God made the world, it was perfect. I mean, it was perfect. Can you imagine the Garden of Eden? Can you imagine it was just perfect? And then what happened? Man sinned, right? Man was like, you know what, God, I really don't want to do it your way. I want to do it my way. Take the fruit, take and sin entered into the world. So there's a fallen world. 
But God didn't give up on man. God came to redeem and to restore and to make things right. But we live in this fallen world and we know that. We feel that pressure because the world and the system of the world, it's all about me. It's about pride. It's about arrogance. It's about materialism and all these things. And they stand in contrast to a God of love and of grace and of mercy. And Jesus goes, they're still in the world, God. I'm coming to you, Father. I'm going to ascend into heaven, right? I'm going to conquer death. But my prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. You know, we all face hardships. We all face challenges, don't we? We all do. And sometimes we wonder, God, why don't you just take me home? (laughs) Why don't I just go home? If I have eternal life, if heaven's going to be so incredible, which it is, why don't I just go home? And God's going, no, 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 no. Jesus said, protect them in the midst of the world because if all the believers were gone, how would the world know about love? Real love, unconditional love. How would the world know about grace? How would the world know about mercy? How would the people in your family or in your workplace or community or neighborhood? So Jesus says, just protect them. Leave them in the world, right? But they have a plan that, and you have a purpose for them, but, but protect them in the midst of that. And they are not of the world, even if I'm not of the world. Sanctify them, verse 17, by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Now, if you're reading your daily step, you would go through verse 19, and that would end, but... I'm looking at this going, wow, it still flows. The Jesus is still praying. I want to finish these last six verses. So verse 20 says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Now, who is that? That's you. <laughs> That's me. Jesus prayed for us. How incredible. Jesus looked down through the quarters of time. Jesus knew that the cross was waiting, but Jesus said, you know what? God's gonna be glorified. I'm gonna conquer the cross. I'm gonna conquer death. And then these disciples are gonna go out. They're gonna share the love of Christ with others. And there will be other people who will believe. And so Jesus looks down and he sees you. And he knows that God has redeemed you and restored you. And he prays for you. He prays for me. I I think that's just awesome. That the God of the universe loves you that much. And here's what Jesus prays. Don't you want to know? I want to know what Jesus prays, right? When he prays for me. He says, I pray for all those who will believe in me through the message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. So what's he saying? He's like, God, as you gave me, I'm giving to them, right? I'm giving to them. I and them and you and me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Church, that's amazing. That is awesome. See, God, 2,000 years ago, he wanted you to know this. He wanted you to know that he loves you. He wanted you to know that beyond the shadow of a doubt. And so Jesus praised that 2,000 years ago, that Jesus praised that you would know that the same love that God has for his son Jesus is the same love that he has for you. And when you feel alone and when you feel down and when you feel discouraged, 
when you feel lost or beaten, you just remember that God wants you to know that he loves you. That God wants you to know that he hasn't given up on you. That you are his. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Jesus says, I can't wait for them to come to heaven, right? I can't wait for them to spend eternity with me. It's gonna be awesome. But righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Jesus said, here's my prayer, right? That they may know that the love of the Father is in them and that they may know that I am them. As God draws you to himself, as he invites you into this relationship through Christ, when you become a follower of God through Jesus Christ, God places his Holy Spirit within you. A Holy Spirit, the love and the grace and the mercy, the very essence of God, Christ in you, as it says in Colossians, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that you and I are redeemed, that you and I are made new, that you and I have a hope and a future in Christ alone. Praise be to God. So as you read this passage, you're gonna be so excited, right? You're gonna be sitting there, you're like, oh, this is awesome, this is great. So what do you do? Then you journal it, right? You, you start to journal it, but before you do, you think about the context. And you're going, Jesus prayed this prayer right before, if you go into John chapter 18, right before he goes to the Kidron Valley where he is betrayed by Judas, right before he is arrested. This is kind of that commissioning time over the disciples. And then you're going, wow, this is powerful. This is like the final prayer after Jesus spent three years with these disciples. He prays over them this prayer. So now as you start to write it down, as you journal this, some things jump out at you, right? You summarize it. You summarize this passage. You first of all, you see that Jesus prays for himself, verse one through five. And maybe sometimes in your life you go, you know, I don't know if I should pray for myself. And there's so many big problems in the world. There's so many things that are happening out there. There's so many challenges that are going on. But you know what? Jesus prayed for himself. Jesus prayed for himself. God wants you to bring that to him. God wants you to bring your hurts and burdens and challenges to him. Jesus knew that the cross await. And the cross, I gotta tell you, we'll talk about Palm Sunday, but the cross was the worst way to die. I mean, physically, it was the worst way that man has ever created to kill somebody else because you literally with nails in your wrist and you hung on the cross and you would literally suffocate. And it would take hours or even days. Jesus knew this was coming, right? But it wasn't just the physical. It was gonna be the emotional and the spiritual of taking the sins of the world upon his shoulders. For the wages of sin is death. That you and I, when we sinned, we were alienated from God, but the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, his son, that Jesus knew he was gonna pay the price for all of man's sin. He knew this awaited, and yet he prayed, he prayed, he said, God, not that I'm gonna be crucified, but that I'm gonna be glorified. But the price will be paid. Glory literally means weight. And God, I want you to receive the glory. So Jesus prays for himself, verses one through five. Verse six through 19, what Jesus prays for his disciples. I could summarize that. I could see that. What does he pray for his disciples? He prays that they would be on mission. He prays that they would get it and they would live it, understand the gravity of what God has done for them and that they would live out the mission in their life. 
that God has a plan and a purpose for every one of us and to live that out. And then he prays for all believers, right? Verse 20 through 26, he prays for all those who will believe. All those who will believe in the name of Jesus. Then you start to see as you summarize it, then you translate it. And as you translate, you come back and you say, okay, wait a minute, as Jesus prays for himself, there is power in the way that Jesus prays because he says, God, Father, Father, addressing God as Father. See, that was radical. Back in the Old Testament, I mean, you didn't see God as Father. You know, there was this, this reverence, there was this separation, there was this religion and this ritual, and yet Jesus says, no, you can approach the throne of God with boldness. You can call God Father, Abba, Daddy. When you pray, do you pray with that kind of attitude? With that kind of heart? And then you see as Jesus prays for his disciples, he prays three things. First of all, he prays is this. In verse 11, he prays that God would protect them in their mission. That God's protection in their mission. See, God is for you. God wants you to succeed. God wants you to have a great marriage. God wants you to have a great career. God wants you to have a great life. God is for you. And there's times I believe with all my heart that God protects us and we don't even realize it, right? There's times that I believe that God is there and we just don't even realize, but God is at work. The second thing he prays for his disciples is that they would know the full measure of his joy, verse 13. The full measure of his joy. I love that. I love that our God is a God of joy. I gotta tell you. You know, so many times you go to churches or different places and it's like everybody's, you know, sad or mad or upset and everybody's down and like you gotta be, you know, sad in order to have this relationship with God and God's going, whoa, 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 I'm the God of joy. I'm the God who created colors. I'm the God who created taste buds. You know what I mean? I am a God of creativity. How awesome is that? In our lives, there ought to be some joy. We've been saved. We've been redeemed. We've been restored. And then he says in verse 17, right, the third thing he prays for his disciples is that they would be sanctified. Sanctified. Sanctified means this. It means to be separated, holy, sanctity, the holiness of God, that there ought to be a difference in the way your life looks and the way my life looks from the way of the world. You know, that, that there ought to be difference in our lives, that, that there ought to be set apart, that sanctity. And then Jesus, as I translate this, praying for all believers, he prays that we would be one, that we would be one, that we would have unity, that we would care about each other, that we would love each other. You know, sometimes you go to older churches and, and I love going and, you know, you walk in and they're like, well, there's Brother Jeff, you know, hello, Brother Jeff and Sister Lisa, you know, and here you are. Maybe you grew up in one of those churches. And you know what I love about that is it really is, I mean, we're a family, right? There's Brother Jeff, there's Brother Eric and over there, there's Brother Steve, hey, Brother Steve, you know, everybody's brother and everybody's sister, but you know, we are a family and there is a part of that being believers that we are not in this life alone, that God is for us and that we have people to walk with us and to encourage us. And then you evaluate this. And as I evaluate it, here's the things that jump out at me. Number one is the importance of prayer. The importance of prayer. Jesus, right before the cross, what does he do? He prays. <laughs> he prays. See, in 1 Peter 5, 7, it says this. Cast your anxiety on the Lord because he cares for you. Cast your anxiety on the Lord. Do you have anxiety today? Anybody have anxiety today? Your shoulders tight, tense? Maybe you have anxiety from work or from home or maybe there's just anxiety with life. What does it say? Cast your anxiety on the Lord because he cares for you. 
Jesus, he wasn't like, okay, well, I'm going to deal with this. I mean, Jesus comes and he kneels before the Father. And so many times in our lives when we face challenges, we're like, I'm going to just fight through it. No. You pray. And the importance of prayer in your life, the importance of prayer in my life, to cast my anxiety on the Lord. God, you've got this. <laughs> it's all good. God, you've got this. Am I all right? I don't have to let worry and fear consume me. I don't have to stay up all night and be afraid. God, you've got this. The importance of prayer. The second thing, you see the call to love and unity. You see this call to love and unity. And in our lives, are we growing in our love for God and are we growing in our love for each other? You know, every day, every day, if you don't accomplish anything else, but you love God more and you love others more, you know what, you've had a great day. You're taking a daily step. You're progressing. You're becoming what God wants you to be. And third thing you start to see is you see this word of God unfold and you just evaluate that in your life. And you say, God, I want to be everything that you desire. And so you go, there's confidence knowing that Jesus prays for me. There's confidence knowing that Jesus prays for me. That 2,000 years ago, Jesus had me in mind. <laughs> Jesus had you in mind. Jesus thought about you then and Jesus thinks about you now. In Romans chapter eight, you know what it says? That Jesus is right now. Who is he that condemns? It's not Jesus. Because Christ died. <laughs> And more than that, he was raised to life and he is at the right hand of God and he's also, what is he doing right now? Interceding for us. Jesus believes in you. Jesus wants the best for you. Jesus loves you more than you could ever dream or ever imagine. Do you know that kind of God? As I read this passage, man, I just get excited thinking, Father, thank you that you love me. And I also just am reminded to pray. You know, every day I pray, and there's some things that I pray. I do, I pray in my own life. I pray for myself. I pray that, that God would give me wisdom and leadership and creativity. I pray that God would give me vision, passion, honesty, humility, generosity, and integrity. I pray to be a godly husband, a godly father, a godly pastor. I pray to be a man full of the Holy Spirit, a communicator of his word, I pray to be a man after God's own heart. Those are the things I pray in my own life. I pray for my wife. I love my wife. <laughs> I do. And I pray for her. I pray that, that she'd be all that God designed and created her to be. I pray that she'd be a great mom. I just love my wife. I pray for my daughters. Every night I go in and I pray over them. And if I'm late, they'll go, Daddy, come pray for us. You know, and I come in and I just place my hand on their head. And I pray that they'd be wise and strong and make good decisions. And I pray blessings over each one of them. I pray that they always know that God loves them and that their daddy loves them. <laughs> and then I pray for you. I do. I, I can picture so many of you in my mind and I just pray for you. And I pray that, that God would draw you close to his heart. I, I pray for your marriage or your future marriage. I, I pray for your children or your grandchildren. I, I pray that you would be blessed and your business or whatever God's given you to do. And I pray that God would bless this church and that we would hold on to God and we would hold on to each other. You see, as we look at this, this is our call, right? It's the fundamentals of knowing God, of growing in God and of following him. I don't know where you are in your relationship with God today, but I know this, God loves you. 
And maybe today is a day of salvation. Or maybe today is a day of commitment just to say, you know what, I need to get into the word. I haven't been, it's okay. It's all right. It's not condemnation. It's just, hey, challenge us, go forward. Or maybe today God's just saying, hey, I want to invite you to pray. Maybe today God's saying, there's anxiety. You know, there's anxiety in your life. You're trying to do it on your own. Cast, cast your anxiety on me because I care for you. Father God, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for your word and how your word is alive and it's active. And God, you speak to us. Father, I thank you for your great name. (laughs) That you are our healer, our defender, our savior. That you are our comforter and our hope. Father, I pray that we would understand that you protect us by your name. God, every day that you're with us, every moment, every breath, that you are there for us. I pray this morning you would draw us close to your heart that we could understand how much you love us and the privilege it is to call you Father, Daddy. So teach us to be your disciples today. Teach us to follow you to be on mission with you and teach us to live in the confidence of your great name. ushers to come forward this morning as we get a chance to continue our worship by giving back to the Lord. Jesus, we are so grateful for this morning and the chance to declare your great name. The chance to worship you with our voices we thank you for the chance to worship you with our finances 
our prayer requests. I pray, Father, you would take these gifts, God, and use them to make your name known that people around the world could call you defender, redeemer, savior, friend. Thank you for this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray this. Amen. Good morning, church. I'm so excited to share with you some of the results that happened last week as we all took our next steps together. You know, we're in a 24-month initiative here at Rolling Hills. We started 12 months ago and said, hey, let's everybody take a next step in our spiritual walk in three areas, reaching out, growing up, giving all. And we came back just last week and made a, a new commitment or a recommitment to say we want to finish strong between now and March of 16. We want to walk forward together. You know, every journey begins with a step. And so if we're going to draw closer to God, it means all of us stepping out together. And I have to tell you, I'm so excited to see what God is doing in this church. So excited just to look through some of these cards and to pray and say, yes, as people take a next step and, and reaching out, people are saying, hey, I want to serve. And people committing to go to Moldova this summer or go to the Amazon or, or people committing to even invite neighbors to church or there's somebody that they want to pray with. A lot of people talked about praying with their spouse, that they've never done that. That's a next step for them. You know, in the growing up area, it's so exciting to see people saying, I'm going to follow Christ in baptism and I'm taking that step of obedience. People saying, I'm joining the church. Even reading a teenager that says, you know what, I want to worship one hour and serve one hour. And I love seeing that as students saying, I want to invest in those who come behind me and to see high schoolers investing in middle schoolers and middle schoolers and children. And as adults, we have this incredible opportunity to teach and disciple. And then in giving all to see how people are tithing and many people saying, that's my next step and I'm going to trust God with my finances. And then to give over and above. And so many of us are, are tithing. We're giving our first fruits to God and the first of what he gives to us. And then we're giving over and above. And a lot of people taking that step. And, and I stand right here in our new preschool area. And you can see the playground behind me. And this being the first Sunday in our new preschool area. And, and that makes a difference in the children's area to give classrooms there. And then the students and middle school and high school students right here at our Franklin campus. We're also praying about our new place for South Nashville because we need a new location been great being where we are but just taking that next step in the next 12 months to find a new place also with the path project and with international missions and esl so many great opportunities for us locally nationally and internationally to make a difference together and so as we lock arms and as we move from jesus and me to jesus and we the power of we to create a movement that will reverberate throughout history and we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. And I've loved seeing people take steps even outside of what we've prescribed. And you've said, hey, there's one person said, I'm going to fast every Tuesday for my church. And I'm just going to pray for what God's doing in my family and in my church and my community. There's other people who've said, I want to serve at Second Harvest. Or I want to serve at the hospice. I want to serve at the hospital. Or I want to serve at the jail. I love seeing that as you are thinking in your mind and saying, I don't want to become complacent in my spiritual walk. I want to always be moving forward. So church, way to go. We're on this journey together. Lisa and I have recommitted for another 12 months, and we are so excited about it. We've even taken some new steps, and I'm just praying God's going to do a great and mighty work through his people here at Rolling Hills. I love being on this journey with you. Love seeing God move and God work. And blessings on you today as we go together to take our next steps and to watch God do what only God can do over these next 12 months. 
Uh, church, let's stand together. Let me pray a blessing over us as we go to live out his word, his truth. If you have yet to see the new space, love you to go and look around in preschool, children, student area. It's amazing what God is doing and just love it. It's so exciting. So Father, thank you for this morning, for worship, for your word. Father, send us out as your disciples today in the confidence of knowing that we are protected by your great name. We love you, Jesus. And it's in the name of Christ we pray and we go, amen, amen. Blessings on you and have a great week. Thanks for being here today.